Hello, this is the Untangling Anxiety Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Russell. I am a mom of four children with OCD and other anxiety disorders, a wife of a husband with OCD, and a former elementary school teacher. This podcast is about learning to untangle our thoughts and worries, and then sharing this understanding with those we love. It's also going to be about the transformations that can occur when we invest our time and resources into making connections, being vulnerable, and ultimately finding healing for ourselves and our family. You can expect to hear from me each week. I will share with you actionable steps you can take to untangle your anxiety and live a more free and empowered life. I'll be bringing on guests, both people just like you and me, that walk the road of anxiety every day as well as mindfulness, parenting, and mental health experts. I started this podcast because several years ago, I could have really used someone to connect with who understood what I was going through, something to remind me I wasn't alone during those days when my family was so lost in the labyrinth of anxiety. I hope you learned something, let go of the guilt you are carrying, and find more peace and resilience. Now take a deep breath. It's time to start untangling anxiety. On today's podcast, I had the privilege of interviewing Marcel Waldman. She is a certified K-5 elementary educator. Marcel has utilized her experiences as a mother and teacher in founding Feel Links. Feel Links' mission is to create a kinder, more compassionate, and inclusive world through resources that nurture and strengthen each individual child's social, emotional connections and confidence. Marcel has created hands-on tools for children, including emotion plush dolls, feelings journal, and a children's book co-authored with her daughter titled Feel Trip, A Journey Through Ordinary Emotions. I'm so excited to have Marcel on the podcast today. Last week, when I launched my podcast about emotions, specifically anger, she sent me an email right after the email I received from her um, business, from her feel links, and she was talking about exactly the same thing. So we're on the same page, and this is really a great companion and continuation from last week's podcast. So if you haven't checked out last week's podcast, go back and have a listen there too. I'm excited for you to listen today. Hey, Marcel. Hi, Betsy. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Welcome. Yes. Gosh, it's been many years since I've been (laughs) able to see and hear your voice other than on your podcast, I guess. But yeah, (laughs) thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so happy to have you. And I just, yeah, I'm really excited to share your journey and what you're doing and your insight um, with my listeners, because it's just been a joy to follow you and uh, to see what you're doing with feel links and everything like that. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a joy to be putting stuff out in the world, as you know, that can um, just be supportive and um, maybe help somebody out there. So yeah, it's great. Okay. Well, start off. Will you tell us, just tell us, um, what you're doing about mm-hmm. feelings. Um, yeah, maybe how it got started, kind of just that whole kind of a general, and then we'll kind of dive deeper into sure things. Um, so I guess what I can say is, um, going back, you know, as a child, I think what we come to in our life 
typically we can reflect back and think of times when we were younger that maybe we would have seen ourselves in these shoes. And, you know, when I was, when I was a kid growing up, I had, um, my brother and my mom, and we had a great little family and, um, lots of love and lots of care. Um, we grew up in a really small little town and, you know, not always a place that we felt like we fit in for, for just a whole host of different reasons. Um, whether it be um, in a social manner or a financial manner or whatever that was. But, um, you know, looking, looking back to that in my life and looking where I am today, I can say that it made a huge impression on me growing up um, where I did, how I did to become what I want to say as just an educator of lots of things. Um you know, we had our great days and we had our hard days as a family, just like many of us do. Um, but I did know as I was growing up that I really wanted to get into education and, you know, I got to be a teacher. I got to actually be a teacher back in the place I grew up, which was really neat for me because I think there were so many things that I thought were, but that's because you're a kid and you're sort of trying to fit in and figure out who you are and what is happening um, to really realizing that there were a lot more things going on in the background of the education world that I had grown up in. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really neat to head back there. I got to be a kindergarten teacher, um, taught there for just under 10 years before having my own children. And, you know, when you become a parent, um, there are things that you reflect back on, on the parents that you had, um, growing up and you think of all the things that maybe you would like to do and the things that you also don't want to do. Right. Yep. <laughs> and I also think we've come a long ways in terms of things that we know now when it comes to say our mental health or, um, how we pay attention to our children. And so as I was starting to, you know, nurture my own children, bring up two kids of my own, which are now tween and teens. Mm -hmm. um, I decided that after teaching and um, sort of trying that stay-at-home mom life that I really wanted to create something hands-on for kids. After, you know, knowing that when I was teaching, there weren't a lot of like tools out there that I could use in my classroom. So it was a lot of like creativeness that I had to utilize mm -hmm. um, with my kindergartners. And I actually ended up teaching preschool as well for my son. But, um, you know, kids learn through play and kids learn through, um, you know, that, that is kind of the language I think of childhood, yeah, For sure. but so I created feelings, which are really, um, right now there are free, um, like things that you can find on my website. But what I also do is I've also created these hands-on emotion, like plush dolls they are two-sided. They have bright colors. They have these, you know, a little emotive faces and, um, a journal that goes along with them for kids to be able to draw pictures or use dictation with an adult or write themselves in because journaling is just such an important piece. And as a teacher, I use journaling every morning with my kids mm -hmm. and then found my own kids. Oh my goodness. Like how many different journals did we get started yes. on? <laughs> um, so also just knowing the importance of what it feels like to get those feelings out. And then my daughter and I also, um, have written a book together called Field Trip. And it's really all about this journey through ordinary emotions. 
So those are the pieces that have sort of been the um, hands-on tools that I created through feelings. But my why really comes back to um, what do we know now is so important in the world of growing up for our children. And it really comes back to me to this piece of emotional intelligence of really knowing how we feel and being able to talk about that with caring adults as a child. Um, so that's really the background. And um, like I said, um, going back to being a child and just knowing that, gosh, my mom would have loved tools like these. Yes. And just knowing that um, working on how we can sort of affect um, the kids that are growing up in a really different world than we were growing up in, even as just this next generation. Yeah. Well, and I think, um, you know, because I was a teacher too, and just being a parent and a teacher, we have these desires and, you know, things that we want to provide for our children. And yeah, when we don't have the resources or we're so overwhelmed with everything else that needs to be done, and it's not just, you know, it's something that we would have to create ourselves that can, yeah, just like you're saying with in kindergarten and things like that, that can be super overwhelming but that now you've created that. I think that's yeah. wonderful. I love it. And, and with your daughter too. Yes. The, the, the little book that we wrote together, it's been really fun because experiencing that with my own child is such, such a, such a special, unique thing. I mean, and, but moreover, when she's reading in a classroom with me and these little kiddos are looking at her like you're a published author and you know she's now 13 but she was 12 when we when we actually released the book and it is so cool to just see how these children react to her and they just think wow maybe someday I can and that to me is just like the most beautiful thing to see so yeah it's it's been really joyful and also watching my daughter be, um, very like convicted in the way that she wanted certain things for the book was really neat for me to see because, you know, I might help her with homework or support her in taking her to her sporting activities, but really working and collaborating that way with your child. I mean, I really hadn't had that experience with her and knowing that I was more, I'm not really sure. And she was sure. It's like, okay, then that's the, the, that is what the illustrations will look like. And that is the wording and that's amazing. So, yeah. um, just seeing the strength in her was, was a really neat thing through writing this together. That's awesome. And what a good example. I think so often we're kind of conditioned out of kind of leading with our gut or our intuition mm-hmm. and to watch her at, in her young self, or maybe she hasn't been conditioned, you know, to, right you know, think twice about something. She, she knows this is what she wants and to, yeah. be able to move forward with that. That's amazing. What a gift. I I remember on Instagram watching you guys open your box for the first yes. time with the books in it. Oh, uh, that was, yeah, that, was that was a really neat, neat thing to be able to do, especially because, you know, when I first created sort of these tools, you know, my kids were, at home with me. It was during COVID shutdown, you know, and so it was really neat that they were sort of by my side while I was really getting into doing this and sort of my why behind that. And, um, 
And then just to see the move forward and next step to be with her was, um, was again, just really a really special thing to, to get to do. Um, and now just, you know, reading to different school age kiddos and things together, going into our local bookshops and getting to do that together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a 13 year old female at this point in time, you know, there's, there's a lot of things going on for them in their minds and in their hearts and in their, you know, bodies and things. And, you know, she has her moments of the shyness and the, you know, not quite sure. And, you know, we talk about those things afterwards. And I think that those are again, important conversations that we're facing feelings with our, with our kids. And so it does get to bring up those conversations on our rides back, you know, home after we have these or, um, yeah, it just lends itself to good conversations about what it feels like to get in front of a group or what it feels like to do something for the first time. Mm -hmm. And, um, those are the kinds of conversations as parents that I think we really need to continue to have. And a lot of times, you know, and I think you would agree with this, um, it's a lot of more listening at this age and it's a lot, um, of trying to stay quiet when our kids are ready to talk. Um, so I do find that if we're driving in the car and we can get going on something that there is sometimes more of that chit chat that is, is important and it is deep and it is the stuff where, especially at these kids ages and the things that they have faced and will face in their lifetime that we are having conversations now and we're doing a lot of listening to our kids and, and, uh, also lending them language on how they yes. express what's happening and how they're feeling, Yeah, which is sort of the building blocks of what I have created so that we can work on those things as we get older. Yeah. So, okay. Let's go a little bit deeper in what you do provide your little, your plush emoji type or, um, they're with emotions. Um, Mm -hmm. and also your book, tell, tell me a little bit more about, like you said, how does it lend Mm -hmm. to, um, starting these conversations and giving ourselves Mm -hmm. and our children and those we love language to use? Cause I think it is so powerful. So, um, I want to start really quick, I think as adults, because I, I find that the one thing that we have to remember is that, you know, we are the models. So as adults, it is important that not only do we take that time for ourselves to understand how we are feeling, but that we're modeling that language. I just had a very difficult, but beautiful experience putting on, um, a bereavement retreat for seven mothers with a nonprofit that I work with. One thing I started out with, with these moms, they got journals and we started with a feelings wheel and this wheel gave them language that they didn't even know. Yeah. And, you know, we can all, I I won't say all, many of us can reflect back at the ages that we are now as adults, that these feeling words or paying attention to how we are feeling was not a part of our growing up. So this is something that many of us have had to learn, or maybe we haven't even quite decided that it's time to learn it, but even what are these emotional vocabulary words? What do they mean? And how do I actually feel? And how do I figure out how I feel? And so 
I say this because until we can do that for ourselves as a parent or a teacher or someone in a child's life, then we can start modeling what that's like for our children. So what I did in this, in the journal, and then the book that we wrote together and sort of how the dolls pair with that is I call it words to grow on. And really what it is, is there's a sad doll and it's gray and it has, you know, the sad looking face and the sad looking eyes, and it lends itself to feeling sad, but inside the journal, there's words to grow on. So then it's words like hurt or grief, right? So we're, we need to entertain this idea of like those emotions that we have or our children are having, they don't need to be the sad, mad, glad, right? It can be that. But what we need to know is there are way deeper and other feelings that we are needing to consider that we might be feeling that we need to be using this language. And so these pieces for the children are ways to introduce those words so that we can understand them a little bit better so that when our kids are feeling those things, it's not necessarily, I am feeling happy. Maybe they're feeling grateful and they want to talk about why, or maybe they are experiencing grief and they have, you know, a friend has moved away and that is a deeper, deeper sadness Mm -hmm. than feeling sad because I, um, didn't get dessert tonight. Right. Maybe they're feeling grief that they didn't get dessert, but that is a little different, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's about us as adults being able to also know and understand how we are feeling and modeling using those words. Even if you have very young children, there is nothing wrong yeah. with using vocabulary that at that time feels over their head. But remember, as we are doing what we're doing, they are learning from us. They are always looking, listening parroting sometimes, you know, what we are doing and saying. And so we are the models. And so the creation of this really comes about to say, it's not about setting this over to your kiddo and saying, use it. Or I have a lot of classroom teachers that have these tools as well. And just setting it down. It's about supporting them. It's about going through it together and taking the time. And those are the things as parents, I know sometimes we just don't feel like we have the time. Yeah. (laughs) But it's, it is, it is important. And, you know, some people call them the soft skills of life, but I really feel like they are the building blocks to all of the other skills that we are trying to, you know, support and instill in our children, right? If we are understanding how we are feeling or how someone else is feeling, teamwork's going to go a lot better. Right. Right. Yeah. Friendship's going to, to be a lot healthier if we can pay attention to how our friend is feeling. So these are all of those emotional intelligence building blocks to all the things, going to school, holding relationships, um, being a great partner to someone, working together, even thinking about customer service while you're at work. Like, how are you noticing the person coming toward you? What are you doing to interpret that. These are all such important life skills Mm -hmm. that we need to be focusing on. Yeah. And that we actually do have time (laughs) for it. And as we do make the time, like you're saying, it's going to lend to more opportunities and less time that we're spending on, you know, like damage control or whatever later on, you know, for lack of a better term. Yes. 
and Absolutely. just yeah, our overall well-being. I I feel like, you know, this is something that's been said a lot and I'm grateful that it's so much more of the norm now, but mental health is just as important as our physical health. You know, I talk to parents all the time and say, you know, if your child had a broken leg, what would you do something about it? Right. right. <laughs> or we do things also to prevent, you know, illness, to prevent accidents, things like that. And same sorts of things like what you're talking about here. I yeah. So that. giving them the, like helping them with the language and the tools of being able to understand yeah. how they're feeling gives us better supportiveness to them as their caretakers. Like mm-hmm. if we can understand how they're feeling, then we could do better by what their needs are. Yeah. And mental health also does specifically affect our physical health, yes. right? So, yep. <laughs> I mean, it's all connected yeah. and it's all together. One of the things that I wanted to mention too, um, on the little plush dolls and also throughout the, the book and in the journal, there are these little touch spots on the head, heart, and belly. And the reason that I've done that, so there's a little star, a little heart, and a little swirl on the belly because what we, we, we try to do, especially with children, younger children, and then as they're growing, they're seeing it even more is an understanding of like what's happening inside of me when I'm feeling these emotions. So whether it's an, you know, an excitement or feeling thrilled or a, or a gratitude, you know, a grateful feeling or grief, what are those feeling like? What does anxiety feel like? Mm-hmm. What does stress feel like in my body? Yeah. And, um, you know, those come with what's happening to my heart, what's happening inside my head. Maybe I, you know, maybe I'm feeling, um, a headache or a pounding or a, you know, light lightness mm-hmm. and what's happening in my tummy. I mean, think about what anxiety feels like for you. You know, if you feel anxiety sometimes, like, what does that feel like for you? What do you think that feels like for a five-year-old? They don't always know. And so we're also paying attention to what those emotions are and how they are affecting us, because that's a really important piece of this too, because then we start talking about what do I do with this? Mm -hmm. Right. So what are those um, strategies to help uh, my body? If my tummy's hurting because of anxiety or my heart is racing because I'm, you know, feeling very nervous about something or I'm feeling stressed and my, you know, so I'm getting a headache or whatever it is, but those are the things too, for our kids and us as adults, but for our children to learn and understand what's happening inside of them. When these, these feelings come on, we're all human. We have emotions and the more that we can support through these things, then the more they're able to notice how important their mental health is for their physical health and for, you know, these parts of life, relationships and friendships and those sorts of things and being able to focus and be at school. And we have to feel well for those things. It's hard to focus or be at school if we're not, you know, at our best. And I think that being able to then express to someone that does care for us is a really great way for us to pay attention to that. Yeah, for sure. And just like everything that we've learned about understanding kind of our emotions and our thoughts and our feelings, being able to talk about it and in essence, move it, you know, 
kind mm-hmm. of create movement with it, that energy and everything like that, that, that helps. I mean, that physically helps us rather than holding it in or suppressing it, pushing it away, things like that, that usually compounds it. But mm-hmm. if we're able, like you said, to talk about it and find support and connection yes. with someone, oh my word, that's so powerful. So powerful. Well, and I think too, we have to remember that we, we hopefully as a parent, right, we are that for our children, right. but it's also really cool to say like, who else do you have that you would, it, that you feel safe with and, and trust in? And it could be, a, it could be a second parent. It could be a grandparent. It could be a teacher. Yeah. It could be a family friend. Like it is really great to know that there is also someone maybe besides you that your child has that with. And, and if they can't name someone, um, that's also okay. But knowing that that strong adult relationship is truly, it is the most important thing for our kiddos to have with somebody. Mm -hmm. So one is great, but it is also really nice if there's someone, it could be even, you know, an older sibling to them or even their sibling. But I think that that adult child piece where they have someone to trust in, hopefully there's someone at school. So when they're not at home with you, there is someone there that they can connect with. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't have that, help them. Maybe you want to try to find that with them. Um, I did that with my daughter. She has a particular teacher that she had last year that, you know, when you're in middle school and you're bopping around to all your classes, like it is a little bit harder than when you're in elementary and you've got a teacher all day long that you feel hopefully, you know, comfortable with talking to about something going on, or maybe you've had a really rough start to the day and you're able to open up and share that with them as a student. But in middle school, things are really quick. It's like, you're in, you're out, you're on to the next but she found this one science teacher and they just had this amazing bond and she got her again for eighth grade, which is amazing, you know, and she did just happen to reach out to me and say, Hey, you know, she's been a little quiet or is there something going on? I'm going to pull her aside. And she did. She, this was just this week. She pulled her aside. They had a great conversation and that was that. But to me, knowing that there's someone else there, I love that. And I love that this teacher recognized like, she's been a little bit quieter in class. Wonder if something's up. Yeah. And just the ability to know for myself as a parent that there is someone there that is watching. I I love that. I feel really fortunate for that. So I think those relationships are really important for our kids to have at any age. Well, and I love how you have, you've branched this out where you are, you're sharing it with parents, with adults but also taking kind of specific um, focus to schools and Mm -hmm. kind of maybe bigger arenas, just where, like you said, we can have that connection at home, but if we can have connections wherever we are, gosh, what, what a, you know, beautiful world that would be. So tell me what does it look like? Like when you go and visit a school or, you know, how does that, how does that look? Yeah. So a lot of my schools that have feelings, they typically use the dolls for like morning check-in time with the kids. So some, some fun ideas that I've seen, you know, um, I actually did this at another school, but, uh, recently a school sent me, they have like a little jar in the morning and the kids put in the color of 
bead that correlates to the doll. And so then they can kind of see like all the colors in the jar oh. of like, wow, there's a lot of, you know, mix of emotions here. So mm-hmm. there happens to be eight colors of the feelings. So they use the, those and then using like a basket of the dolls and the kids go around and they pull out. We don't always just have one feeling, you know, we can have a oh, mix yes, of emotions. Yes. So then they've got, you know, all of them out and they're telling how they're feeling and, you know, what a great way to set the tone for the day. Mm-hmm. Also had, um, these put in sort of, um, you know, people have different words, but like a reset space or a calming space of some sort, mm-hmm. um, within a classroom. I try really hard to, to let educators know that this is really supposed to be inside of a classroom. They're not really go out in the hallway and find your dolls, you know, that they're, right. they're yes. really made for the support. So it could be depending on the age that there's also an adult that can go into the space with a child, or maybe they need it alone at first. Some of them will draw and write inside of their journals. So the journals are being used for um, like morning time as well, like a, a, a morning activity. And then also using the dolls for buddy breathing. So putting those dolls on their bellies and like being able to breathe with them. They're also super squishable. And so a really good tool for squeezing and feedback. Mm -hmm. And some kids just like carrying them around and they feel like they're their little buddies. So I think that's, you know, also a great way. So, I mean, they're super cute. I have, you know, adults put them on their desk, even to remind yes, them yes. at work, <laughs> like it's okay to have all these, but like, wh- how am I going to show my emotions today? You know, or, um, I've even had, um, kids like carrying around the classroom in their little bags because they kind of feel like they're theirs that day. So they're taking care of them, Oh, um, but they're a great check-in tool and they're great for pulling kids, whether it be one-on-one or if there's a situation, um, in a classroom or um, in any childcare space where they can use the dolls to sort of show each other how they're feeling too, because not all kids want to talk, not all kids um, necessarily actually have the ability for um, verbally speaking. And so these are a great way too for showing and being able to tell without necessarily um, verbally speaking. So they um, have really come in handy as well for therapists in different ways as well, just to be able to utilize those with kids in small groups or one-on-one. But yeah, so that's a great way. And then the the book that we have written has the dolls on the pages. So everything kind of goes with it. So the kids like picking them up and showing how they match and, mm-hmm. um, and then just using them to talk about, like I said, the head, the heart, the belly, how are we feeling? And then the journals have been a really great way actually for teachers to speak with parents about how children are feeling. Um, so a great tool for teachers during a conference time, or to be able to call a parent in and say, you know, I've noticed this pattern of how the child's feeling. Let's talk about this. Let's see how we can support. Typically the journals feel very sacred to those kiddos. And so they will put their true selves in them. And so it is a special place for them to do that, but it has been really supportive in that way too. Oh, that's amazing. And so exciting. I love that. And just how it's encouraging kind of us as adults, wherever, and we're supporting children to work together. Yeah. I would say the number one feedback for me, that sits with me all the time is a parent, a mother who told me that 
using these tools has changed the way that she has parented. She has given much more of the time that she felt like she wasn't necessarily having Mm -hmm. or she realized she did have the time to go through and really sit with her child and understand where he was feeling and why. And now he's able to do these things sort of more independently, which is, which is also really great or speaking, coming to her and talking to her on his own. So just that in of itself felt like a major win, right? Because that's what we're hoping for in our kiddos is to be able to express themselves appropriately and um, know that as a parent, that there are tools, you know, you have created as well, that there are tools out there for our kids so that we know how to better support them because we don't all have time to create. So we've done some of that for them, right? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So what would, what would you suggest, you know, with a parent or a teacher that, you know, is listening and just like me is like, what, you know, this is amazing. And, you know, like that mother said, I want to be on the other side. I I'm ready to, you know, invest some time in this. Where, where would you suggest they start? Cause you said you have, you know, a, a lot of resources. Yeah. So on my website, I have free resources because, you know, as you and I both have talked, you know, education and understanding is just so important. And so I write, I would say once to twice a week, I put up an article that I've written um, that gives information about steps we can take to whether it's repair with our children or it's um, trying to be a better listener with our children, ways to do that. So just really some of that parent education or um, teacher education behind how we can do those things, what sort of steps, like what are the five takeaways of how to do this? You know, what are the two takeaways on how to do this? So I'm really all about like the strategies and being able to, um, being able to know like how to do something. Um, so short articles, I've got printables that are, you know, different breathing exercises, different ways to calm our minds and bodies, you know, just ways that we can start infusing those. I, I'm very visual. I have things even on my kids' walls still. We have lists on what helped them calm. So things like out is a great way to like talk to them about what they are and put them up somewhere visible. Um, So I do have those things, including of like feelings wheels that are appropriate for younger kids um, on my website. And then also um, the hands-on tools and products that I've created are on there as well. But I really think that if we create a small space, it doesn't need to be a whole room, but like create a space that feels safe and calm and whatever that is, less is more. Like we don't have to overdo the fidgets or the tangible, touchable items. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be a, a, a safe spot with a pillow and some books and some soft music. I mean, there's lots of ways, but the more that we can get our child to tell us, like, what are the things that help calm you? Or what are the things you like when you're feeling sad? Then we can learn from them 
Yeah. Because it's not going to always be what, what we do. Right. Although us going out and taking a walk and doing the things we do definitely models for them ways that can help. Mm -hmm. I think having like a special spot for our kids, especially our younger kiddos that, you know, feels, and I say that because I think our older kids typically will find their bedrooms maybe (laughs) or, Mm -hmm. or maybe like the kitchen area, but like they kind of can figure out where their space might because they've now practiced for so many years. But I think with our younger kids, if we can help kind of create that and cultivate that special spot, um, that's a really great place to start. And I do want to say like, it is never too late. It is not too late for us. I mean, (laughs) we are learning the vocabulary. We are learning how to calm ourselves. We're learning that self-care is so important. I mean, these are all new-ish to us too, right? The research keeps telling us more about it. And so we're learning and then it's important that we take that education and plant that in our parenting or in our teaching in our classroom, even as parents who know all of this, don't by any means think I will speak for myself that I have not raised my voice or done something that I should, you know, feel as a parent, Ooh, I shouldn't have done that, but it is never too late to use repair, to teach our children right. that we're human and we make those same mistakes that we, we, we are sorry for, you know? So, um, yeah, I think starting small and thinking about what might be a way to start opening those, you know, feelings, conversations with our kids is a great place to start. Um, and just knowing the importance of it, I think will, will push us to realizing like there is time. Yeah. That's awesome. Tell me about box step. Is that something that's ongoing? Yeah. So box step project is this. So I am very involved with, um, an organization called the ladybug house and my, one of my, um, very closest friends, son was sick with neuroblastoma cancer and he just passed away in June. And so when he was sick, they don't live by us anymore. And so one of the things that I wanted to do was find an organization that I could give my time to that um, really was supporting families and children going through what my little buddy was going through and what his family is grieving for now. Um, And so because of Ladybug House, who um, is palliative and hospice care for children, but also for the families that are facing these very difficult times. I got really involved with like child life services and grief counseling and those sorts of things. And so sort of getting into that world, I found Boxed Up Project. And this is a group of incredible young high school and just like just graduated high school youth that started a nonprofit that makes these boxes and they go out to these different organizations that support families and children with childhood cancer and other um, grief and, and loss. And they send these boxes out and they have tools inside. I have just sent out two boxed up project, um, some journals and some um, the books and dolls so that these can go into the boxes that they're sending. Now they are sending 300 boxes out, which is amazing. And they're sending to 
a bunch of different organizations. So right now we are not quite quite to that number yet. Um, but I do really, I really feel strongly that the more that we can, you know, spread our own kindness and bring joy to those that are struggling in ways that maybe we have, or maybe someday we will, and we hope that people will be there for us. I just really wanted to do what I could. And so this has been, again, like a very like personal piece of my why in who I find to sort of create these donations to. So we did one recently for Seattle Children's Hospital under the same. And in fact, um, our donations went in right the week after our little buddy passed away. And so it was just a really beautiful thing to be able to go in there where he was a few years back when they did live here um, to, to bring these and donate them under his memory. So backtracking a bit when Uvalde had their horrible, horrible school situation there, we were able to, um, also with my feelings community one-to-one, um, donated 168 of our sets down there. So just trying to find, you know, those places in our world that we can help lift other people up during really tough circumstances. Um, yeah. And these little sweet plush dolls and journals and places for kiddos to express themselves has been, has been the right thing. So I just, some of the things in our, you know, in our line of work now, that's not really work, but more our passions that I think have grown into things that we didn't anticipate, like whether you thought you'd be doing this amazing podcast, you know, before or not, like, I think that this world of, finding people that want to do good and spread good and support others in some way is just sort of what I wanted to do with my time. So, so yeah, but I would check out box up project. It's really cool that these, these youth have created this nonprofit. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely um, link that like in our show notes along with all your information too. So that people can check that out, but then also follow you for, you know, have you, is this the first time that you've done boxed up or do I feel like I've seen it? It's the first. Yeah, no, this is the first time that I um, am doing this. So Mm -hmm. like I said, the other couple of, you know, pieces were again, mostly going back to the, um, just looking at the loss and the grief and, um, knowing that those are some of the toughest feelings that especially coming out of these lives of children that are experiencing this. Um, so yeah, it definitely was a great thing that I came across finding them and, um, connecting with them and just really cool that, these one child, her own loss story has turned into this nonprofit. So we hope to continue to be able to support and help them along the way. And, but yeah, so the ladybug house is really the, they're here in the Seattle area and, um, they're the ones that we put on the bereavement retreat for these mothers, you know, that nonprofit is local. And, you know, again, I more really wanted to find something where I felt like I was being supportive to families that were going through the same thing that my friend's family was 
going through. But yeah, I mean, just amazing to see just the goodness in people. It is out there and um, finding our passions and being able to lift other people up in their toughest times, I think is like a really you know, it, it, it helps us too, right? It brings me joy that I can go out and, and I do have the time to, to help others that are going through some really tough stuff. And I've been the person going through tough stuff too. You know, we've all experienced what we've experienced in our own lives. And when, when our time comes to be able to support others, then I think it's great that we can do that. And, you know, if, if, if you're in a tough time right now, I hope that you have people, you know, I mean, that's, it's important. And I know, like, I keep reading, you know, like loneliness seems to be like the number one feeling right now of like, even our teenagers. And, you know, sometimes that's their perception and sometimes it's the reality. And so I would just encourage that if you have those people in your life, like reach out. If it's someone you haven't reached out to, it's okay. It's okay. Now it's never, it's never too long and it's never too late to wait. We don't always know what people are, are dealing with and um, yeah, just be good. <laughs> well, and, I, and I think that connection and communication are really, really powerful. Yes, definitely. And yeah, and we don't, we don't need, you know, anything like you said, creating just a small space you know, we don't need anything fancy or over the top. Same thing when we're yeah. trying to connect with other people or help or serve other people. It doesn't need to be anything grand or nope. it just needs to come from us. And well, and I do think too, there's such huge power in connection. And I know as a parent, when I can talk to other parents who, are going through or have gone through similar things that might have felt tough as a parent. Maybe your child is facing, you know, um, anxieties and maybe you yourself don't know what that's like, right. But yeah. talking to another parent and knowing that there are other children, there are other people, there are other, you know, and just that connection of finding those commonalities, I think really helps us as humans to know we're not the only one. And I think part of even going through this whole like time during the pandemic of like, we are in this together and like, yes, we might be experiencing things very differently, but yes, we all experienced it. And yeah. kids came out of that. Some came out of it just, you know, feeling like, okay, now I'm back to where I was. And others came out with a really tough time. Yeah but you're going to find people out there to connect with that are, have, have experiencing similarly. And I think that connection is so important for us. Yeah. I mean, especially as caretakers to know, like there are other people out there that have children that have experienced, you know, severe anxiety or have their perfectionism has caused so much stress or whatever it is. I think that that stuff is really important to talk about and it doesn't need to be, there is no taboo. There is no, yeah, just, we need to talk about it. Yeah. I love it. And I'm, I'm just grateful that we are able to reconnect and that we are kind of on, just like you said, we're on a similar mission, but different have, we've had different experiences, but yeah, but we are kind of moving towards that same goal. And I think so many people, including, you know, my listeners are on that same path and just super grateful for all that you're doing. And, and I love how your simple products, um, do promote connection. Yeah. I love you. that. 
that's just really powerful. And I think are doing so much good. I'm so honored to be connected with you and to be following your journey. You too. (laughs) You too. Yeah. You know, like when we started this out, it's like, we have to take the things that we've experienced ourselves and what we may be experiencing right now. And, you know, what can we put out there in the world to like, to educate. And also, like I just was saying, the commonalities and the connections, because we're human and we're going to, you know, we're going to have our tough times and we're going to have the good times, but all of it is out there to talk about. Yeah. It's okay. It's <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. Well, thank um, you so much. I yes. love chatting with you. Thank you, Marcel. I'm going to link everything that we talked about. So, so if you're listening, just go to the show notes. If you want to connect with Marcel and she's on Instagram, Facebook, and she's got her website, I will link all that, but it is feel links. So, um, but that will be in the show notes and yeah, I'm just excited to see where you go. And I love the information that you put out, um, in your posts and things like that. So just so much. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. You as well. Thank you. Thanks for joining me, Betsy Russell, on the Untangling Anxiety Podcast. I'm so glad you're here and honored that you've taken the time in your busy schedule to join me for honest conversations about anxiety. It brings me so much joy to shine the light on anxiety. Will you leave a rating and review? Just scroll down to the bottom of this episode, hit the five star and write a little comment about how this has helped you. This helps my podcast get seen and help others. Also, I'd love to see what you're doing while you're listening to this podcast. So snap a selfie and tag me at Untangling Anxiety and post it on Instagram. We'll see you next week.